The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on italianwinepodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication. Hello, everybody. My name is Polly Hammond, and you are listening to Uncorked, the Italian wine podcast series about all things marketing and communication. Join me each week for candid conversations with experts from within and beyond the wine world as we explore what it takes to build a profitable business in today's constantly shifting environment. In this episode, we welcome Francesco Minetti live from Wine to Wine 2022. We chat about my favorite topic, profitable digital strategy, as Francesco discusses Wellcom's approach to brand building. We'll discuss the pillars that support good decision-making and he'll share his recommendations for any winery looking to improve your digital presence. If you are interested in digital strategy and design that works, you won't want to miss this episode. Let's get into it. Francesca, welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm so pleased to have you here today. It's um, always a pleasure for me to be able to record live because so much of the work that I do with podcasts um, is virtual and by remote. So for everyone listening, we're sitting here at Wine to Wine in Verona. And you are here as part of the organization and, and as the CEO of Welcome, correct? Correct. Yeah. And that's welcomeonline.com. Do I have that right? Yeah. Okay. Tell right. me a little bit about Welcome. Yeah. Uh, actually, um, I, I like to present the agency saying three things. Uh, one is that we are specialized in wine communication and we've been doing so for 30 years. So I'm the second generation. This is quite a I was about to say, you're much too young to have <laughs> yeah. done that. Yeah. So this is quite a common story for wineries, for example, not to be the second, third, fourth generation. Not so common for, uh, for agencies, actually. Uh, but yeah, this is our story. Uh, then we have this kind of international approach. So we work mainly with Italian wineries and consortia, and we try to help them um, let's say, build their brands abroad in, I would say, 17 countries mainly. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, the main countries for uh, made in Italy export. So uh, North America, US and Canada, UK, continental Europe, Scandinavia, uh, and some Asia, Japan and, and Hong Kong. And how do you do that? So, I mean, communication is such a, a broad uh, opportunity. So how do you guys fit in? What's your niche? Yeah, this leads me to the third point that I was mentioning. Um, we try to uh, execute, to first of all, strategize and then execute the strategies internally. So we have, we are 23 people. Um, and of course, we built relations in each market. Uh, but first of all, we'd like to have a comprehensive strategy in terms of differentiating assets of the winery or the consortium we want to represent and the precise names of 
people and the precise target we want to reach. Right. So one of the things that I really enjoyed hearing, and it has changed over the past two years, is that more and more people who are working with our wine brands and with our consortia, uh, are, are they we're leading with strategy. What's the response that you get on that? Because I noticed that a lot of brands, like strategy is conflated with tactics and this idea of we need to have the insights, we need to do the research, can sometimes feel like too big of a process when really what they want is they want to jump into the work. They want to make the shiny things. Can I, can I say something? Mm-hmm. They, they usually want to do, not to think. Exactly. <laughs> because, That's perfect. Because yeah. the perception is that thinking is a waste of time. Mm. But I mean, my, my reply to that is that thinking, one, is for free. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Uh, and second, if you don't think and if you don't understand where to go, you don't have like a path, you don't have a route. Yeah. And so you're wasting your money. So basically to, to get you to your point, what do we do? We, um, we actually structured some visual models, um, based on the idea of IDEO and uh, design thinking, mm-hmm. 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 but this is at the end of the day to help them understand that a, you need to have your brand very so we uh, structured an infographic called Brand's Anatomy mm-hmm. uh, that goes from the bones, from the foundations, your brand pillars, up to your purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have a canvas, like a business model canvas, mm-hmm. but call it content marketing canvas. And we organize interviews, uh, but very concise, very short, but to map mm-hmm. uh, what, what is the, the status quo of the, uh, of the brand. And then we combine the two, so the brand's anatomy and the result of the, of the canvas to get a strategy with modules of activities. But uh, this first thing to me is most important for any kind of activity. I usually say that there's no, uh, I would say, necessary activities, okay? Never. Uh, everyone can choose if you want you want to go to a, from A to B, you can have different path. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you enjoy a lot of uh, uh, going very slow on a panoramic and scenic view, or you just want a motorway. It yeah. depends on how fast you need to go, what car you have, and where you need to go, for example. No? Well, I think we're going to come back to what kind of car you have in the context of budget as, as we keep going. So you work with, you work with your clients in developing uh, brand strategy. I love the fact that you're talking about things like business model canvassing, because that's something that I think a lot of us use. And then when you put it in front of clients, it can, it can be a little bit scary, but then you've actually grown beyond traditional PR, correct? Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's precisely because when you structure a strategy, you realize that, okay, then I mean, the magnet at the beginning is, please, I need 95 plus on West. Mm. This is, I would say, the, the standard request. Uh, but not always is the best solution. Right. Um, also in terms of timing. Of course, it's a desirable outcome for almost everybody. But I'd like to stress the fact that uh, maybe you are in, not in the right 
market condition to do so. Maybe it's too early. Maybe you don't have the right importer and distributor on, in, in the U.S. market. And we all know how, I mean, we all know, uh, maybe some know, <laughs> uh, someone know that uh, uh, it's really important to have order that lobby the main magazine. Uh, and so maybe it's not the right, the right uh, moment to do so. Mm -hmm. And so we structured another infographics, another visual model uh, that it's called the brand building. So it's like a building mm -hmm. with different kind of uh, stories. Mm -hmm. uh, and we do a checkup and we say, okay, first of all, analysis and strategy, the foundation that we move to the first door. And in the first door, we have text copy. Mm? Right. We have visual image. We have pictures. So we have the fundamental building block. And then we get to the um, identity documents. So website, company profile for trade, maybe print tools, maybe video, but this is not necessary anymore. It's just an, an option. And then we move to digital and media. But this is the process. You can invert the, the, the terms of the, of the, of the operation. So right. Yeah, it's I really mean, important to follow this. And, and, and one thing that I, I am quite curious about working across 17 countries, when you're building these, you know, these layers, these stories of dependencies, really what has to be done in order to reach your goals, how do you handle the multicultural, the, you know, issues around that? So what we need in America is going to be very different from what you need in the UK versus Japan. This is a very, I mean, it's a fundamental question. Um, we like to talk about uh, our approach that is identity-centered design. The idea is that usually wine brands in general are too small to be like considered as consumer goods mass market. So somehow they have to make a choice and the choice is dependent on their assets not on the market. Okay. So the idea is that these three pillars that are the foundations of all the strategy must be decided dependent on what you have and what you are and not on what you think that people want in uh, each country mm. because otherwise it's, it's, very, it's very difficult to get to the right people and it's also in terms of expectations it seems that actually you can be like a consumer good, you can be mass market, but you right. don't have the possibility to do so. Also in terms of volumes. You don't have the production, you don't have the money. So the idea is the offer leads, not the demand leads. Okay. And if you are very clear about your offering, you will find your niche or maybe your niche will find you. Right. And um, I, I do, for everyone listening, I do really want to stress that. This notion of clearly articulating your offering. So it's not your neighbor's offering or your grandfather's offering or, you know, an American competitor or a UK competitor's offering. Like it's really about getting to the heart, which I imagine in the, in the analysis and the strategy work that you're doing is like getting to the core of your identity is it's, super it's, important. It's digging, digging, yeah. digging. Because at, at the end of the day, you know how many wineries in Italy right now? 80,000. I know. 80,000. And you know what they usually say as pillars? Three things. Family-owned generations, traditional but innovative, and sustainable. 
okay, this is not differentiating. Yeah. This is in common for all 80,000 wineries. So the only competitive advantage that you can have for free at the beginning, it's dig. Yeah, I, I often laugh and, say, laugh and say that as a marketer, I think people's perception of what we do is very different from the reality, which is sitting in a room with clients with a thesaurus being like, we're going to get to the exact right word and nobody's yeah. leaving the room until we get to the yeah. exact right words. So um, I, I'm curious about this. Uh, what is, when you're working with clients or when potential new clients come to you, what are their expectations and how is it different from the reality? So they come in and they're like, I want to be a, a, you know, 95 and wine spectator, or I want to go viral, or I want to, you know, I, I want to launch this in a particular good market. Yeah. So what do they think the process is? And let's just kind of dispel some of that. Mm, yeah. Mm, actually, first of all, it's not so usual they have a clear objective. Okay. So one thing that we try to help them achieve is clear goal. Why are we talking right now? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Because usually the idea is, okay, I need, I need to, to communicate. Um, because uh, yeah, uh, I want uh, to create brand awareness. Okay. I'm very against brand. And Why? I, let me, let Why me tell are you, you against? Tell us. Because uh, it's, it's like spreading the jam. What, 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 what do you mean with, uh, uh, with, uh, with brand awareness? Where to who? I mean, are you distributed where? Where's your product? Mm. I think that the, 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 the most difficult thing to, uh, to communicate with clients at the beginning, uh, not the process, but it's the idea that distribution is part of communication. Mm -hmm. So uh, we receive a lot of requests saying, okay, I want just some media coverage. I want to get to the end consumers. I want to get known. I want to increase uh, our prices. Fine. I would say 50% of the story is a commercial story and not a communication story. Mm -hmm. Communication can help, but it's not a substitute for sales. Right. And this is very tough to communicate. So the thing that I found about this, um, and I'm curious if it applies to the Italian market because we don't work in the Italian market at all, is... First, people think that it's faster, easier, cheaper than it is. And secondly, people, um, at least I notice within the wine or often within independent business, we're really uncomfortable stating our true goals. So we don't want to come in and say to someone, I want to make a ton of money. You know, like I want to be the most awarded brand ever. What we want to say is we want to be recognized for this. So, so this, this idea of articulating what really matters for some reason is super hard for our industry. Do you find that to be the same in like your early discovery work with your clients? Yeah, definitely. This is one of the challenge. And the other challenge is that they find difficult to agree on three specific pillars because they are afraid that uh, they are losing some potential consumer. Right. So, oh, okay. But if, if we say so, maybe someone wouldn't like it. Of course. But I mean, you're not a politician. You, 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 don't, you don't need to win a majority 
I actually want to dig into some of the website work that you're doing because of course I'm a geek and I love that. Um, were you, were you doing implementation of websites and uh, digital tactics prior to the pandemic? Or was this something that really came on board out of necessity because Wine realized, ooh, this whole digital thing, it works. Actually, we've been doing websites for wineries for the last 10 years. Uh, we realized more than 100 wineries' websites. Uh, the thing that happened actually was that uh, during the pandemic, um, there was a different kind of um, request from the, from the client. And at a certain point, they discovered the direct mm. In Italy, was not something really common. Uh, because we have a very, uh, let's say, B2B tradition of farmers and then importers, sellers. So three-tier system, uh, US style. And so all the websites were designed for resellers or for importers. They, they were targeting this kind of audience. And then during pandemics, they would say, okay, but now we have the chance to talk directly to consumers and maybe to sell directly mm. to consumers. And this actually uh, opened um, some, some questions, let's say. First of all, that, uh, okay, a website is definitely a key uh, point in, uh, let's say, igniting or nurturing this uh, conversation with consumers. But you need to have an organizational structure that is designed to deal with consumers. Because otherwise, if you don't have people that actually know how to manage an e-shop or you don't have the right links between uh, your inventory and, uh, and, your, and your shop or something like that, or you don't have a CRM or you don't have a massive mailing. I mean, can I, Look, I can I'm, go forever. I'm, I'm nodding. But... People can't see it, but I'm like, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. I know exactly, exactly what you're talking about. And, and actually to jump in on that, one of the things that we found the hardest um, in kind of March, 2020, was realizing that there had been this lack of digital capability and people were jumping in without exactly what you're describing, good foundational choices. So it, it, for some people, it became a very expensive experiment because they didn't have the integrations, they didn't have the mailing list, they didn't have wise design and development choices, which I, I know is something that, that you work on. Um, I actually just want to say, I'm glad you're around because I remember doing due diligence, you know, on, on Italian sites for years. And I never understood why Italian websites, they were just terrible for the longest time. When we also had in Italy, some of the highest rates of social media use in Europe, and it just floored me. So our brands, you know, if we go from this tradition of having these very, very old school kind of clunky sites and not really investing a lot in digital, are they... Are they adopting it at speed? Are they learning to do it well? Is it becoming a part of culture, hiring, you know, resource allocation? Um, yeah, I think that it's, it's slightly changing slowly. Mm. Um, but I think that the most difficult thing to, to, to change is the, is the attitude of the salespeople. Okay. So basically in Italy, you have sales people that work with importers, okay? And they don't consider, um, let's say, um, I wouldn't say enough profitable because it's definitely profitable, but they cannot get too much volume easily mm. with consumers. And so it's very difficult to make direct-to-consumer priority. 
Right. Unless there's a CEO, there's an owner that strongly believes that this is absolutely necessary, no matter how long does it take. Okay. And it will take long because if you are, have not like accumulated a, a database of consumers, you need to build it from scratch. And the cost of acquisition is nowadays quite high. Yeah, it can be. Or you don't have your visual assets or you don't have even the basic tech capability. Um, so with this in mind, I'm just thinking about this transition to a much more digital space and the fact that you are second generation running welcome. Uh, are you finding that in Italy, it's much more the next generation who's coming in now and they're the ones who are champion the change toward, toward digital? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, and I think that uh, there's a, let's say, a most uh, wary use of all the digital uh, tools. Um, maybe um, there's also a little bit of more awareness of, mm. uh, of uh, what can, can be achieved with a good website, with a good use of social media, with a good use of influencer marketing. Mm. Uh, but I'm not like a champion of, digital first always. I think that it must really match the personality and the brand position. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer to, uh, to invest on, on other channels with, uh, with wineries that are not ready from an organizational standpoint. Uh, they don't want to be uh, so much exposed on, on the front stage. And it, it, I mean, it, it can be completely, completely sensible. Uh, because if you do, for example, very luxury product uh, and you want to be perceived as super exclusive, I would even suggest you to open your social media account. I know. I would suggest you to disappear. Um, I, I actually love that you're saying this because one of the things I've always laughed and said that I'm like the worst salesperson for wine websites because the number of times that I'll go in and just be like, this is not where you need to spend your money. And I think that people... Um, I think that people who work in digital all the time and work in strategy are the first ones to say, of course, we all love the work. We all love the new clients. We all love, you know, the income from it. But digital is not always the first path or the right path. The, the thing that we've noticed, and I'm curious if you've seen this as well, is jump people who want to jump, as we've said, all of these layers of dependencies. And they've not actually grown one market or their domestic market before they're like, right, I'm going to go into the next one. And then I'm going to go into the next one. You know, is that, is that the kind of thing that you're sort of controlling that enthusiasm to grow too quickly? Yeah, yeah, I, I can, I can understand what you, what you are saying. And, and that's why we, we, we are very slow in the, in the process. Um, I mean, in making understand them the process and then we are quite fast in executing. Yes, but, no, I understand. But, uh, Getting but, to the right decisions yeah. takes time. Um, and I, I think that uh, at the end of the day, website is your, is your digital house and you cannot avoid it. it. It's one of the probably few things that you can't avoid uh, because otherwise, I mean, you don't exist literally yeah. uh, in the world. Um, but uh, one thing is having a website and another thing is deciding how to, um, let's say, how big this, this website uh, should be. It's like, it's like a house. It's like a house, no? Uh, maybe I just need a couple of rooms. 
maybe I need a villa with a swimming pool. Mm. But this depends on what do I want to do with my house. I want to buy friends. I just need a pied in a in a in a small in, yeah. a, in a city. It's a great analogy, actually, because you got trade, you got media, you got you know, you've got your direct to consumer. Is it brochure information? Like actually looking at what you're trying to convey and, and what audiences you're trying to serve. So, um, if you had if you had some advice, you know, for brands who are listening, who are maybe maybe they've gone the wrong path or maybe they're ready to upgrade and they want to do it right. So obviously the first one is to call you, but, but second to that, you know, if they're trying to make good decisions, um, moving forward, could you maybe just give me a handful of what those recommendations would be? Yeah, of course. Um, first of all, we need to understand that a, a website is not something that comes up from nowhere but is actually um, a set of, of different building blocks. So first of all, you need to get like very, very uh, well done uh, your copy. Your copy, copy and content comes first. Yes. Uh, sometimes I, um, I am told, but no one reads anymore. Who, who reads? Actually, we read. We have maybe less attention. I can, I can say that. But everyone reads. And above all, Google reads <laughs> what, what you are writing. <laughs> so if not any humans, <laughs> Google read it. So, um, I mean, copy first, copy for everything, and then edit for the website. And then you want to be a brochure. You want to have a brochure. You edit for the brochure. But you have one consistent, exhaustive master documents with all the textual storytelling of your brand. First of all, yeah. Dan. Can I jump in on that? Yeah, uh, on, the, on the copying content. So things that we always say to people uh, on the, the Google reads, Google understands context. Google understands how much time people spend on sites. So, and actually long form content, good creative long form content still works really well. So I love that you mentioned that. But the other thing, um, from a budget standpoint, it is going to be cheaper and a better, faster outcome if you have your content before you go into a design and development. Because there's nothing worse than being asked to build for placeholder content. And you just look at it and you're like, I, I can't even make strategic choices around, I mean, that's really the nightmare that agencies get presented. So completely have your back on that. People write your copy. And do you help them? Like if they need help crafting the copy, yeah, is that yeah. something that, a, that you can do? Yeah. Okay, great. We have a team of copywriters that are specifically... In 17 languages <laughs> all over the world. <laughs> we do it in Italian and then we, we have professional translators. <laughs> all right. So, so first we have copy and content. What comes next? Uh, pictures. So one, one thing that, uh, that usually happens is, okay, we want to have a website in two months. Okay. You have copy? No. You have pictures? No. Okay. This is not possible in two months because at the end, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, a website- Do you have a budget for copy and content? <laughs> no. <laughs> and so, I mean, uh, a website is actually uh, a composition of, of these two building blocks. So, okay. Pictures. And usually to get a good pictures archive, you need at least one year because you want to cover all the seasonal uh, 
aspects of uh, of your uh, of your uh, winery. Yeah. And third, visual. So all the graphic design. Uh, so the other thing we ask is, do you have a brand book? No. Okay. So we need to build a brand book first. So uh, this is uh, this is something very important to me to um, to make clear that uh, we need to follow a process. Okay, so we've got what you're what you're talking about is we need tone of voice guidelines, we need brand standards, and we need a visual asset repository. This yeah. is this is it. And then you need to have a clear architecture of what you want. It's like it's like a house again. But <laughs> clients can't do that. I mean, obviously that's yeah. where you have yeah. to lay out. This is the architecture. This is how, let's say, mm. is a process of, of getting things done. But the client can be, of course, supported, but needs to know where they want to go. What happens when you're advising a client, and they could be a great client and you can love them, but what they're saying to you is, Francesco, I'm hearing you. I don't want to do what you're telling me to do. You know, because sometimes we can't get that pushback. I don't like the architecture. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go this route. This is too big. This is too small. How do you advise and, and kind of control that yeah the idea is to get together to a solution so i ask a lot of questions first and not present our ideas but we get together to an idea so first of all okay this is b2b or b2c first of all this is very fundamental question you want to talk to your importers your agents or you want to talk to consumers and you want to sell them or you want to invite them for torrent tastings at your winery. Okay. What is, I mean, what is the main call to action that you want to achieve on your website? You want them to download technical fact sheets or you want them to buy a subscription? Continue just recommendations or maybe one more recommendation for someone who's listening that's like, okay, I want to be ready to pick up the phone and call Francesco and say, I've got what I need. Let's go. I think that we need to understand that, uh, um, that a, a, a website for wineries is, uh, has some kind of differences with, with the other, let's say, industries. Tell me what. Yeah. For example, um, if we uh, decide to have an e-commerce, uh, own e-commerce, uh, we need to be aware that uh, we cannot ship all over the world, uh, that we usually have to, uh, let's say, have already a database of existing consumers because this is the best way to get things rolling, that we need to structure a business model, not only for general sales, but we need to structure a business model for getting these clients be recurrent. So we, we can call it wine clubs. I mean, I don't like too much the, uh, the idea of calling everything wine club because mm -hmm. under the term wine club, we can have different business model. We can have subscription. We can have the flash sales. Mm -hmm. uh, we can have the imprimeur. We can have events and email marketing combined. We can have a per, like exclusive uh, uh, location and tasting room with specific uh, events. So it's... It's really about, I mean, in commercial terms, talking about driving lifetime value, loyalty and lifetime value. How do we make certain that they love us and they come back and we're best friends? Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing that I, it, it's peculiar uh, to me for the, for, the, for the wine industry, 
is to understand how to um, present your, um, let's say, PR effort uh, into your website. Because a lot of wineries invest a lot in PR media, but they don't, let's say, I, I'd like to, to use the term redistribute mm -hmm. what they achieve to their audience in their website. Uh, so you can have like, it depends on the visibility you get. If you, for example, are featured in important publications and magazines, you can just have a section in your, in your homepage saying we are featured in all the, all the kind of, you know, this is very little gallery, yeah, little gallery logos, without, yeah. without like, uh, getting to the detail mm -hmm. or to the press item in itself, but just mentioning the, the magazines or the editorial groups. If you are, for example, very much recognized by the critics and you have great, great ratings, you can present the ratings in each product page in a very visual way. If you are very luxury and you, have, uh, you want this kind of high positioning, you can have an archive mm -hmm. of all the different vintages in your product page and you can sort all the kind of ratings, all the kind of countries. So it's really something that builds your reputation. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's, it's an effective way to, uh, to use your efforts and to redistribute to your specific audience. This is one of the things that I feel like is, is the difference between professional marketers and, um, and, and people who really are just getting into it. Uh, is this notion that every dime that gets spent has to be able to be used in as many ways as possible. Like you never develop or, or spend money on something that only has one purpose because wine, and I think this is part of, of exactly what you're talking about. We don't have the best margins in the world. We don't have huge marketing budgets. I think a lot of working with wine brands is figuring out how to be really creative with what we're doing with not enough people, not enough money. And really they don't want, they don't want to be marketers. I don't know how to make wine. I don't want to be a winemaker, you know? So, so, um, I want to come back to something that you're talking about, about how winery websites are, are really unique and, and why certainly you and I both recommend working with people who work with wine brands is even the things that you're talking about on a product detail page. So that's what we're describing. Um, so a single product page, I think, and I'm going to raise our hands for, you know, what we do awesomely, you and I, um, I think that these are things that agencies who don't work with wine won't even know to ask about in the specification process, because we do have very unique content needs, whether it is, you know, how do we have maps that can work across our sites and show our blocks and our, you know, our hectares and, and, and um, where the production comes from? How do we know that we have to reach out to a particular journalist and say, may I use your reviews on a website? Because different journalists have different rules around, you know, rights and, and assets. So, yeah, I do think that maybe everyone, maybe people who sell luxury sneakers are saying the exact same thing. But when you are, when you're a part of the niche market, understanding the, the details and the intricacies, even understanding the language of compliance, what we're allowed to say, are we allowed to show someone drinking 
in a photo on a website, you know, that's a, that's a big even, deal. Even more than that, are we allowed to mention this specific village if it's not the name exactly. of the appellation, but yes. maybe it's the name of another appellation? So it's, it's very technical. And this is, it's, it's about copy. But uh, to get to your point, I think that one of the most challenging things is to combine a website that is both B2B and B2C. This is something that probably only in wine you have uh, as, a, as a very relevant problem because a lot of, lot of times clients say, okay, I have a lot of importers, distributors, but I, I also want to invest in direct consumer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the problem of prices. Channel conflict, <laughs> pissing off our sales team, making our yeah. importers mad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I usually tell that this is, this is a powerful tool actually to have, to, to clarify your pricing strategy on your website is really important. Okay. Because you are actually making a statement and I say, okay, this is my RSP. Yeah. Clear. Okay. And then. I need to check on. Am I going to get in and, trouble for this? And, yeah. And on other digital platforms. Yeah. But if you set RSP high enough, it's usually good. But then you have this kind of expectation. Say, okay, now I get into promotion. <laughs> and so what happens? It happens that maybe my importers say, maybe orders of uh, countries that are not so far away from Italy. Huh? For example, let's take Switzerland. Okay. Hey, oh, my, I, just, uh, I just met my client, the importer said, that came to your winery and you sold, and you sold them the wines at uh, oh, 20% less than mine. Right. Okay, so uh, here my advice is you can pursue all the strategy you want. And I think that diversification is key right now. Diversification of countries, of segments, of audiences. Okay, there's no kind of stigma of on-trade uh, versus on-trade. There's no kind of stigma in direct-to-consumer because in Italy there was. Mm. But you need to be, you need to use common sense. And if you do want to have promotions for your consumers, that is great, do it with a private newsletter and not like with a pop-up. <laughs> Francesco. I love talking to you. I think we could keep going, uh, but I know that you have other podcasts and other interviews to do while you're here. So for everyone who wants to find an Italian communications and especially digital partner who knows what you're doing, how do they find you? Uh, our website, that is very minimal, by the way. <laughs> I was on so, it, but it's very pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's welcomeonline.com, W-E-L-L-COM, online. Uh, so it's a play on words. It's not welcome. Uh, and, uh, and then you can contact us directly. And are you it on social be... media? No. <gasps> I love that. I can't stand yeah. social media as an agency. Cause... You know why? Because we don't want to steal the stage. Yeah. I think that we need to, uh, stay in the back. This is the role of an agency and a consultant. Go and check out welcome with two L's. Welcomeonline.com. Thanks, Francesca. Thank you, Polly. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening and a great big thank you to Francesco for joining me today live from Wine to Wine 2022. The Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with daily episodes. 
Tune in each day and discover all our different shows. Be sure to join us next Sunday for another look at the world of wine marketing. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.